Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 66, The Treasure in the Field. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hey guys, and welcome back to Bible's Mystery Podcast. I am your co-host, Zena, and I am here with the lovely Pastor Scott. <laughs> and this is the podcast that asks you, are you ready to swallow the red pill? Are you ready? Yeah, we are. Um, <clears throat> we're taking some pills for colds and flu. <laughs> I apologize for the, uh, the persistent cough, but I'm going to do the best I can. Yes. And not feeling quite as lovely as I wish I were, <laughs> but thank you for the kind compliment. How have you been, Zena? I've been good. How about yourself? Doing very well, thanks, except for this silly cold. But uh, let's see, t- um, two days from now, because it is actually December the 2nd, mm-hmm. will be my 59th birthday. What? What? Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting up there, uh, but uh, enjoying, enjoying life. Somebody that I knew once... Um, I met every year at a Bible conference, and his name was Brother Har, mm-hmm. and he was in his late 80s. And every year they had the Bible conference was his birthday was that weekend. Oh, that's and, so fun. And so they would always ask him, Brother Har, how old are you going to be tomorrow? And he'd say, well, I'm either going to be 88 or 33. Because <laughs> he meant if the rapture happened, he would be the age that Jesus was. Because oh, we're going to have a body like his, you know. So I think about that as I, love I get that he older. was always ready. Yep, always ready. So today we're going to talk about the treasure in the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to make a statement up front to all Jewish listeners that in no way would this episode mean to imply that there is not legitimacy to the nation Israel today. Because there is. It is a nation. It is a people. They are clearly Jewish. And they are, I would say, the rightful heirs of the land. So we're not trying to make a distinction that anybody is um, a, an imposter or a poser or anything like that. But from the Christian perspective, just as Jesus Christ came to his own and his own received him not, and those who believed on him were called the Israel of God, and those who rejected him were not called the Israel of God, There is an Israel of God that's distinguished through the faith of Messiah, not by their genetic bloodline. So we're not meaning to be critical of anybody's genetics here. We're just going to let the scriptures tell us what they have to tell us. Because there's something about this parable, about the treasure in the field in Matthew chapter 13, that I think might have some significance to who the true Israel of God is. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just open right up. In Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44, 
And Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, <clears throat> who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now there's two parables of a transaction of a purchase here. Mm -hmm. The first, a treasure mm -hmm. hid in a field, and the second, a goodly pearl of great price. And in each case, something was sold to buy it. I believe that the man finding the treasure and the merchant man seeking the goodly pearls are one and the same, and it's the Lord himself. And that when he sold all that he had to buy the field, in the other parables, we know that the field is the world. So Christ died for the sins of all mankind. He, did, he sold all that he had to buy the field. He gave his blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it says that when he found the treasure that was hid in the field, it was already hidden, but he found it and he hid it, hid it again. Like he hid it for himself. You know, it's like mm -hmm. if you dug up treasure in your backyard, you would think, okay, I'm going to go bury it somewhere else. So whoever buried it the first time won't know where it is, mm -hmm. right? So who is the treasure? If the Lord is the man who found the treasure, if the field is the world, and selling all that he had in combination with the merchant and the pearls has to do with the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then, say that. <clears throat> then who is the treasure? Well, you'll remember last episode when we were talking about the restoration of Israel, we referred to the peculiar treasure. Yes. You remember us asking you to kind of stick that on the back burner? Mm -hmm. Well, that verse was found in Exodus chapter 19, and we'll just go right to verse 5. God was speaking to Israel through Moses from the mountain when he said, Now, therefore... If you will obey my voice indeed, talking to Israel, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, the field. Mm -hmm. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, we know that if the treasure is God's Israel, which this seems to imply that it is, and they are the kingdom of priests and the holy nation that they're going to be when God restores them, then since he turned his face away from the nation <clears throat> because of the rejection of Christ, it would make sense that he would hide his people in the field, in mm -hmm. the world somehow. And are they hidden uh, amongst the believers as the remnant of Israel today, amongst Gentile believers in the body? Uh, are they hidden uh, in another form? You know, are they in the land of Israel and there are some believing Jewish Christians that are among unbelieving Jewish people that are the true Israel God? That's the real question. That's the real challenge that I have. And I try to figure out what is it. But looking further into the treasure, we get more um, justification or verification of this in Psalm 135. 150 chapters in the Psalms. That's a the lot. The longest book in the Bible. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
The 135th Psalm, verse 4 says, For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. So if he just said it once, you could say, oh, well, you know. But it's twice in the Old Testament, a peculiar treasure unto me. Mm -hmm. I've chosen you to be my peculiar treasure. So it can't be that the Israel that rejected him and turned from him, that he divorced is his treasure. That's the nation that was punished and destroyed and scattered and everything Mm -hmm. else. So the treasure has to be the true Israel of God that evidently right now is hidden because he's not dealing with them nationally. He's dealing with all nations right now Mm -hmm. in the dispensation of grace, like we said last week. So Peter, I would argue, all the 12, are part of that priesthood and therefore are part of that peculiar treasure. In other words, they're the Israel of God. So beginning with the 12, you have the first members, if you will, of the Israel of God that would be hidden mm-hmm. in the world. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And they weren't hidden in the sense of they couldn't talk or, you know, say anything. Um, <clears throat> they were out there proclaiming the gospel. And Peter wrote this book. He wrote this letter to the Jewish believers And he said, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, which could not be said of Gentiles, Mm -hmm. and holy nation, we're many nations. So who is the holy nation? A peculiar people. Well, there's that word peculiar again. So would it be Jerusalem? It would be Israel, and Jerusalem being in their capital. Okay. Right? So you're right. Jerusalem is the the focus of Israel. It's the primary city. It's the city of the, the throne where the king sits. So as goes Jerusalem, so goes the nation. So he's saying, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, Hosea chapter 1, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Well, since Hosea said, it shall come to pass that where it was said, you're not my people, you should be called the children of the living God. What got them back into the position of being the children of God and being his people was Christ. Faith in Christ through the mercy they obtained through his shed blood. He bought the treasure. It was hidden in the field. He found them. He had purchased them with his blood and then he hid them again. Now, the church is not hidden. We're in full view of the world. We're made a spectacle to the, to the world, and the Bible says. And interestingly enough, Paul even identifies the members of Christ's body as a peculiar people. The same word peculiar, which when I was growing up, peculiar meant he's odd. That child's peculiar. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, what a use of a word, <clears throat> you odd people. Yeah, and, and that's what your, your modern thinking is. Why are they so weird? Yeah. <laughs> but peculiar meant special, as in special to me. Like if somebody gave, like your mother gave you an heirloom, mm-hmm. it's a peculiar treasure to you because it's got a special meaning to you. If she told you the story, my great-grandmother gave me this, and mm-hmm. I'm giving it to you for your whatever, you know, then you've got a story there. You've got a connection. You've got a relationship with that heirloom. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. if you will. So that's what it means. Peculiar is a much more precious term than odd. <laughs> we we use it in an unusual way today. <clears throat> so, um, oops, I've done something I didn't want to do. <laughs> I'm, like not it's good. just not responding to me today. Ah, it's been one of those days, I guess. It's okay. It's just stuck. I'm going to close it out. Oh, it's doing its thing again. I was doing this earlier. Why must Apple hate us? I know. Why must this... I just have to wait for it to... Okay, there we go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, you know, the one thing I didn't look up from last week's episode is <laughs> the meaning of Deuteronomy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do it right now. Since I got interrupted anyway, I might as well look up the meaning of the word Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Let's see if you guys are right that commented. I meant to, uh, it is the fifth book of the Torah, the Old Testament. And, um, oh, it literally means second law. And it is Greek, so I was right about that. Deuteros to nomos, word or law. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it means second law. Did you guys get it And that it's right? Greek, yeah. That's a good question. Did they? I bet you somebody did. <laughs> I bet you somebody looked it up. I'm probably going to, I will have already received emails right. with the answer you know, <clears throat> as we go. So anyway, we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy now that we solved that mystery, because that was a good question. It was a good question. Uh -huh. Chapter 32 and verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, which remember, that's the name of Israel before God changed it. Mm -hmm. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Have you ever heard that expression, the apple of my eye? Yeah. I mean, someone that's like important. Yeah. You know, I first heard it because it was in a Stevie Wonder song. Yes. You are the sunshine of my life. <laughs> and then he says, you are the apple of my eye. And I had no, Stevie was a believer. So he is a believer. So he knew something about this. Uh, <clears throat> and so anyway, he, he, he got that from the Bible, which is okay. He can, <laughs> he can steal lines from the Bible all he wants because he puts them to some of the best songs ever written. But it, the truth is that um, God found Israel and Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So we know that there is an Israel of God, and he made promises. He's going to keep his promises like restoration when we talked about last week. But the promise is going to be kept to those that are faithful to him in the nation. So it can't just be, I'm genetically born a Jew, therefore I can claim a birthright. You know, I could say, <clears throat> I was born in Texas. I wasn't, by the way. But, I it, but if I, yeah, see, you're a true Texan. I, <laughs> I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. So I can't just move to Texas and say, I claim this land, you know. Now, the people that were truly born here, they can claim the land. Well, even though I was born in Texas and I was raised in another country and I come back, that doesn't give me any special rights or no. privileges. Okay. I can't just come take your property, right? Nay, nay. Not without making restitution. <laughs> we talked about that last week. So it implies that there are imposters. Mm -hmm. There might be people that want to claim the privilege. And what we were talking about last week in the restoration of Israel was 
the replacement theology are imposters to Israel. They claim to be replacement Israel. Mm -hmm. And we saw enough scripture to prove that that claim cannot be true. God is going to honor his promises to his people nationally. We are something different. We've been adopted. We're children of God. We are made partakers of their spiritual things. But we are not Israel. And we can't lay claim to those covenant promises, as some would try to do. So they're posers, okay? Well, they're not the only ones, and the Bible warns about other imposters trying to claim to be God's people. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at those starting in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Now, we've briefly mentioned these before, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail here because we're talking about the treasure hid in the field. Well, why would God even need to hide it? Okay, what would be the point of hiding it? If we're to proclaim the gospel, right? We don't hide your light under a bushel, right? That's mm-hmm. what he said. So if it's the Israel of God that's hidden as the treasure, then they're being hidden until God's ready to deal with them again. Yes. Okay, so verse 8 says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, a reference to Jesus. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So there's a group of people somewhere, and this appears to be a future passage. So I don't know who they are, but they're called the synagogue of Satan. So Satan has a synagogue. And they claim to be Jews. They say they are Jews and are not. So they're false Jews, whoever that may be. That's not the only time Christ referred to them. It's in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, he says to the city, the church, and no man, uh, I know thy works, behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. So twice he mentions a synagogue of Satan, those that say they are Jews but are not, and they're liars, so they're imposters. Now, there's always been false prophets amongst the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. So God said he would even allow them to test them and try them to see if they would remain faithful. Because if they prophesied something that wasn't true... And if they abandon the Lord, in other words, a prophet could say, you know, God told me such and such, and it would come to pass, well, he would be true. But if he said, uh, you shouldn't worship the Lord, you should worship Baal, it would be contrary to the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so they would know he's a false prophet, or they should have known. But unfortunately, many of them in ancient Israel believed the false prophets, and they followed after their their lead. Just as there were false prophets among the people then... There will be false prophets among the Israel of God. 
and they're going to seem to, it's not just like a bunch of phony posers that you could point them out. Oh, you're not really a Jew. Mm -hmm. You're just claiming to be a Jew. It's not like, you know, a Gentile that converted like in Seinfeld, you know, the dentist, uh, Watley, who converted for Judaism for the jokes and offended Jerry because Mm -hmm. he wanted the jokes, you know, that wasn't that you could say he's a false Jew, but that wasn't the kind of imposter that we're talking about here. These look like and seem like real Jewish people. So, and, and they might genetically even be Jewish. But notice in the book of Jude, which is right before Revelation, Jude 4, chapter 1, verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord of our God, rather, into lasciviousness, which is sexual licentiousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm interested in the term, whoever these bad guys are, the certain men, he says they are crept in unawares. Crept is the past tense of creep. Mm-hmm. Not, not that he's a creep, maybe they are creepy, <laughs> but they creep in like they sneak, mm-hmm. like, a, like a lion creeping you know, against the prey. <clears throat> Go down to verse 12. He says a lot about them. And interestingly enough, he mentions in reference to them the destruction of the days of Noah and the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, both of which were references that Jesus Christ said, as it, will, as it was in those days, it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's something about all that. But he goes on to say in verse 12, These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you. So they're among them. Spots in the feast, spots like a blemish, okay? And feasts of charity. Now, what do you suppose a feast of charity would be? When I think of charity, I think of people raising money, but that's probably not right. Well, it is sort of right. Uh, I I believe. So charity means to give to your brother, Mm -hmm. to give to those that need. And it means other things because the root of the word charity is the Greek word agape, which is love. Mm -hmm. So it's a love that seeks nothing in return. So it might go deeper than we might think of if I just go donate to to a cause, which is a good thing to do. And there's a love attached to it, maybe. But this love is the kind of love that seeks nothing in return. Now, if this passage is speaking to kingdom tribulation saints which in reality is going to be the Israel of God being formed, called out as a priesthood again, then they're going to be in the time of the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. And the Antichrist is required that all the world to take his mark in order for them to buy or sell. And if you don't have the mark, you can't buy or sell. If you can't buy or sell, you can't eat. I think some precursors are going around right now in vaccine mandates. I have no problem if somebody wants to get a vaccine. But if you're going to say you will lose your job if you don't take a mark, then that's akin to saying you must take the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to tell anybody that, and people have asked me many times. I believe that the actions going on globally about mandates is a precursor to what's coming. But the real mark of the beast is not this vaccine. It's going to be far more sinister than that. So just want people to know that. However, during that time, the true believers can't take the mark. So they're going to be hungry. 
So the feasts of charity are going to be there getting together to break bread because that may be the only meal they have for days, mm -hmm. you know. And these spots in the feasts of charity, when they feast with you, he says, are feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And he goes on to say more about them, but that term wandering stars really strikes me as could they be hybrids, mm -hmm. fallen angels, Nephilim yeah. children. And, you know, maybe not giants, but, uh, but trying to manifest themselves as true Jewish people, mm -hmm. true Jewish believers. And so Christ, he warned the Israel of God about these men, but he didn't call them the synagogue of Satan in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as he called them out in Revelation. And he doesn't excoriate them um, like he does here in the book of Jude as certain men crept in and wandering stars. Mm -hmm. But he uses a parable to describe them. So we're going to go back to the book of Matthew to look at the parable of the tares among the wheat. Are you familiar with the term tares? Mm -hmm. And no. it's spelled T-A-R-E-S. No. Okay. So a tear is a plant. And it's got another name, and I've looked it up once before, and I don't recall what it is. Um, but I didn't know that name either. But it's a common weed okay. in certain parts of the world. So it must have been in the Middle East. And um, if, the, if the name of the weed comes to me, uh, maybe Fetch or something? I don't, Vetch? I, I can't think of it. Whatever it is, <clears throat> it looks just like wheat. When oh. it's young. Okay. When they spring up, they look the same until a certain point when the wheat begins to sprout berries, wheat berries, and this tear begins to sprout its own seeds. Mm -hmm. And they're not wheat berries, they're just seeds that are going to make more tears. And so they'll destroy a crop because they'll um, eat up the moisture, you know, and the minerals in the ground, and the crop of true wheat is going to get weak or wither and not bear much fruit, mm -hmm. okay? So he uses this parable to explain what's going to happen because the tares are going to be some people. Mm -hmm. So Matthew 13, verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Now the field we already know is the world. We're mm -hmm. going to see that later. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Well, that's rude. <laughs> really. And went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So evidently, as time passed, it became clear that what had been planted alongside the wheat was not wheat. Mm -hmm. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? Hey, didn't we put good wheat out in the field when we, when we dug it up and, and planted it? He saith unto them, an enemy hath done this. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. 
There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. The servant saith unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? In other words, should we just tear the whole thing up and start over again? Ugh, all that hard work. I know, but he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now that's a fascinating story, because I would argue, since the wheat is in the field, and the field is the world, as we're about to see in a moment, and the treasure is hid in the field, there's a, there's a type similarity there. Now, you could say that all believers are wheat bearing forth fruit and all tares are false believers. Mm-hmm. But since the kingdom of heaven particularly concerns Israel and their restoration, I would argue that the children of the kingdom are the wheat and they're the Israel of God. Uh, because I don't want to impose myself into Israel's promises, mm-hmm. you know, just like replacement theology. And the tares are the ones that might be the synagogue of Satan. They seem to be Jews. They might genetically be Jews, but they're not bearing forth fruit. Mm-hmm. So they're not believers okay. in Messiah. So we skip down to verse 36 for the understanding of the parable. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He only gave the answers in private, because to the multitude it wasn't given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, only to the faithful. So he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So the man planting the seed is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, which to me would be Israel the Israel of God. So the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom 
all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And I think he's talking about all the children of the wicked one. But we know if there's a synagogue of Satan, they're children of the wicked ones too. Mm -hmm. And they are probably there to try to distract the world or something or deceive the true believers. Because if the synagogue of Satan are Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah, but pretend to, and they're crept in among them like tares among the wheat, and they're feasting with them in their feasts of charity because of the buying and selling and everything else. And then they suddenly say, you know what? We've convinced that the Antichrist is in fact Messiah. We should all go follow him and take his mark. That's the seal of God. They would be liars. Mm -hmm. But they're going to try to deceive the very elect. So their aim is to bring about the falling away. And I believe they are. It is the falling away that the Bible talks about, that there's going to be a mass exodus of kingdom people in Israel. They're going to turn and take the mark of the beast and try to mislead the true Israel of God. Mm -hmm. And the devil comes down and he's in the body of the Antichrist at that point. He's going to persecute them and try to destroy them. And that's when they flee into the wilderness. So I think all that's going to tie in somehow. And then he says, um, when the angels come, that's at the end, they're going to gather all things that offend and which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, the lake of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous, the true wheat, the Israel of God, shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I think that's what the parable of the treasure hidden in the field is about. It's about the fact that somewhere, and if there is a, if there is an Israel of God hidden in the world today, and I don't mean that a person couldn't be Jewish and a believer, because there are many Jewish Christians. And to me, if they are believers in Christ right now, they're part of the same body. So when the rapture takes place, they're going to go out with us. They're delivered from the wrath to come. To me, it would seem logical that the believers in the tribulation here that are going to be among the tares are going to be those that believe after the rapture mm -hmm. when Moses and Elijah appear and do signs and wonders, when the 144,000 begin to preach with the seal of God in their foreheads, and they believe. And in their conversion, they are the true Israel of God that the tares are going to try to deceive mm -hmm. and distract to taking the mark of the beast. So to me, it would seem like it's a future passage, but even now there are false believers. Mm -hmm. There are false Christians. And John, in the book of John, Jesus was talking um, to the Pharisees in chapter 8, verse 39, he said, well, these Pharisees answered, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Mm -hmm. They're claiming pedigree, genetics. We're Jews. We can trace our lineage back to Abraham. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Wow, that puts a whole new spin. Yeah. <clears throat> You're not genetically 
Jewish because you're of the seed of Abraham. Mm -hmm. If you were truly Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Well, what was the work of Abraham? He believed God. Mm -hmm. Here's God's person, the Son of God speaking to them, and they're rejecting him. He says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Whoa. Their father. Mm -hmm. They just told him Abraham is our father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And that's true. So here they are claiming to be the children of God. <clears throat> and interesting that they said that. Remember when we talked about the passage about uh, the sons of God and God judgeth among the gods mm -hmm. and you are children of the Most High? Yes. They claim, we're sons of God, right? Mm -hmm. But they're rebellious. Yeah. They're fallen and satanic. Well, so were these men. So were these Pharisees. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. <clears throat> and watch this. He is a liar and the father of it. You ever heard people refer to the devil as the father of lies? Yes. They get it from this passage. And he is the father of, uh, he is a liar and he is a father, but he says the father of it. It is singular. Lies is plural. He, so when we call him the father of lies, we're misinterpreting the passage. Is, is it because he said he told the first lie? Well, he did. I would, I, would, I would agree with that. He told the first lie. But would you call the first lie an it? Uh, I mean, did change everything up for us. Yeah, it did. How about, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Oh, Thou you're shalt talking bruise about his the... head, it shall bruise yeah. thy heel. Antichrist. Antichrist, you got it. <laughs> the father of it. He is a lie. Mm -hmm. The Antichrist is the great lie, the great deception. So he is a liar and the father of it. The coming Antichrist, mm -hmm. the seed of the serpent, the lie. These are little serpent children, mm -hmm. these Pharisees. You are your father, the devil. But he is a liar and the father of it. And then he says, um, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Mm -hmm. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. So even in Jesus' day, there was a synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. He called them serpents and vipers. He wasn't just joking around. You know, he wasn't just trying to be insulting. He was calling them that because they followed their father, the devil. There was a synagogue of Satan right there. They were genetically Jewish children of Abraham, but they were of their father, the devil. 
So the same would have to be true of the synagogue of Satan, them that say that are Jews but do lie, whoever they are. <clears throat> they're going to claim to be Israel. They're going to claim to be the Israel of God, but they're not. And I believe, as I stated, their aim is to out the treasure. If they could out it now, they would do it. But it's hid in the field right now. Whoever God's Israel is, wherever they are, and I don't preclude they could be in the land of Israel now. They could be scattered among the nations. Uh, but they're not visibly seen as the children of God just yet, which is why I struggle with some of the passages about restoration in the modern history of Israel mm -hmm. having been fulfilled just yet, like Ezekiel 36 and whatnot. That's where a person like Amir Safarati would help me, uh, if, he, if he will. Nevertheless, I'm, I'm open to it because I want to see that perspective. Mm -hmm. The one thing I do know is found in 2 Timothy 2, and I think we can come close to closing. With, let's see if that is my last one. No, it's not my last one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm just about to lose my voice, but we'll get through these last couple of passages. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So if the Lord knows them that are his, it are those, his are those that name the name of Christ. The people that belong to the Lord oh. know the name of Christ. Okay, I was like, uh, you lost me there. Yeah, they believe on it. <laughs> Whosoever shall call upon the name of the mm -hmm. Lord shall be saved, right? So all that are saved have called upon the name of the Lord. The Lord knows them that are his because they have the seal of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seal of the Holy Spirit. And we're to depart from iniquity. The synagogue of Satan is going to be embracing iniquity mm -hmm. when they take the mark of the beast or when they participate in the falling away. And so Paul prophesied as much in Romans chapter 9. And it's painful to read these words because you don't want to, and it was, it had to have been painful for Paul, being a Jew himself, to know that he was once in unbelief, and most of his nation was in unbelief mm -hmm. about Jesus Christ. So we'll start in verse 1. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Today we would use the word Israelis. To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom is concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. In other words, Every bit of Israel's history up to the point of Jesus Christ led up to his coming to offer the kingdom. They rejected it because they rejected him as Messiah. And he's saying, I weep daily for them. If I could be accursed so that they could be saved, I'd do it. But he can't be accursed because he's already been accepted. Mm -hmm. So verse 6, not as though the word of God had taken none effect because there were believers. We know of the 12. We know of many, many thousands of disciples of Jewish believers before Paul even came on the scene. Mm -hmm. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Now think about that statement. Mm 
That's like those that say that are Jews but are not and do lie. Mm -hmm. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Didn't the Pharisees say, we, are the we have Abraham to be our father? Mm -hmm. He said, if Abraham was your father, you would believe me. Yeah. But you don't do the works of Abraham. You do the works of your father, the devil. So you can be genetically related to Abraham <clears throat> and not be a child. We are children of Abraham by faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me Jewish. It just makes him a father, you know. But he says, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. You know, Abraham had another son, not through his wife Sarah, but through this yes, I concubine, mm -hmm. Hagar. And his name was Ishmael. Mm -hmm. He was truly a child of Abraham genetically. He bore him mm -hmm. or he fathered him. Hagar bore him. But he was not the child of promise. No. Because when God made the promise to Abraham, he said, Sarah shall conceive. Which is blows my mind. Because wasn't she in like her 90s? Yeah. And he was 100. <clears throat> <clears throat> so frail. He says, um, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And from Isaac came Israel. And from Israel came Christ. Mm -hmm. So that is they which are the children of flesh. These are not the children of God. Just genetically being Jews doesn't make you children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Children of the promise are counted for the seed. And so the seed is Christ. And we become a part of Abraham by faith of Christ. If you then be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, Paul said in Galatians. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 9, or stay in Romans chapter 9 rather, and go to verse 25. Because he gives several passages from the Old Testament to show that there was an Israel that was not of God. We read it last week when we talked about Isaiah chapter 1 and how they turned and rebelled against him and he called them people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. But we'll read a couple other ones here in Romans. And he cites Hosea. <clears throat> As he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people which were not my people and her beloved which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. And Paul actually uses that passage in Hosea to show that even Gentiles could be saved and become the children of God, mm -hmm. though they're not Jews. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. And the remnant implies a small number. So you could have genetic Jews in the millions all over the world, but it's the remnant that's going to be the holy Israel of God. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And he means the seven years of tribulation. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and had been like unto Gomorrah, which he called them that. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. In other words, we heard the gospel, we believed. We became believers in Christ. We became adopted children of God. We didn't become Israel, but we became children of God and children of Abraham by extension. But Israel, 
which followed after the law of righteousness. The Gentiles didn't have the law. They did. They should have known better. They have not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, or why not? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, they turned the word of God into a religion of men, of ordinances and rabbinical interpretations and all the nonsense that religion is. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. You ever trip on a big rock? Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? (laughs) Even the little ones. A little rock, you know. I mean, I think like, you know, they have those, um, what do you call those things when you go to a parking lot and there's a big concrete block to stop you from going any further in the parking lot? Like a boulder? It's not a boulder. It's just one of those concrete, you know, bumps. It's a parking bump. There's a name for it. I just don't know what it's called. (laughs) But you see them in parking lots, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes. And if you park and you don't notice them, then you get out and you start walking and you think it's one of those parking lots that doesn't have them. Mm-hmm. And then you, and you trip on one. I mean, you get start to get up in my age and you're going to fall flat on your face. Here. So <laughs> you're my age. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's right. Zena's age. You, you catch yourself <laughs> or she's got cat like reflexes. She'll, she'll catch herself before she falls. But he says they stumbled at that stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So the thing that separates the Israel of God from the genetic Israel is the stone, the rock, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And therefore, the Israel of God is going to be the Israel that believes on him, evidently at a time when he's dealing with the people as a nation again, and calling them to him, and there's going to be tares among the wheat, there's going to be a synagogue of Satan, imposters among them trying to deceive them. And But until that time comes, I, I think if the, the devil could know who they were, he would persecute them now, mm-hmm. you know, just as he persecutes the body of Christ now. So they're hidden like a treasure. One final passage in Psalm 27, and we'll close with this. 27th Psalm, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. They stumbled at that stumbling stone. Though an host should encamp against me. You know what a host is? Someone who hosts a party. Well... That's true. That's and it's one of those words that has a bunch of meanings. Are you talking more so of like a body? Like you host your body. That's another word used for it too. Okay. Okay. You're you're dead on right about that. Um, a host is also the term they give for I think when the Catholics do communion, uh, the wafer is called the host. Oh. Which is a body because it's supposed to be the body of Christ, you know. Oh, okay. But in the Bible, the word host means an army. How so? That's the original meaning of it. Should you worship the host of heaven? The armies of heaven. Wow. There are armies up there. These angels are warriors. Wowzers. Both God's angels and the fallen angels. They're hosts of heaven. He says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. So he's going to hide him. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So if God's going to hide his people, and he says he would in the time of trouble, then it could be that it's hidden in the world now. And Because back in the parable, he said he hid it, he found it in the field, mm-hmm. he went and bought the field, and he hid it again, and he went his way, implying that the Lord went back up to heaven. He was the one that bought the field. But he's coming back to claim the title of the field. Mm-hmm. And when he does, it would seem to me that <clears throat> his people are going to come out of hiding and proclaim him and name him and wait upon him and believe on him. And when the tares among the wheat expose who they are, mm-hmm. the Antichrist will know who to go after. Then they flee into the wilderness. <laughs> putting mm-hmm. my dog to sleep <laughs> and where God has a place for them and he's going to hide them mm-hmm. from the face of the beast so it's all really fascinating that it's leading up to the time of trouble the time of tribulation and then eventually he's going to gather his remnant out of all countries whether he's driven them and bring them back into the land the restoration and so Christ told a parable about the fig tree in Luke 21 he said behold the fig tree and all the trees um and skipping to the chase, he says, when you see the leaves bud forth, you know that of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So it's possible. The only thing I can say with any certainty is whatever events are going on right now in the land of Israel and surrounding countries might be the shooting forth of the leaves of the fig tree. Because the fig tree is Israel. Mm-hmm. And it might be that the time is coming soon that they're going to come out of hiding. I think we're getting close, which means the rapture is very soon. Ooh. I'm hopeful that it's right around the corner. And I hope that you are secure in your salvation because the only hope you have to be uh, in the rapture and avoid the wrath of God is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. My prayer is that you will. Yes. And thanks for listening today. Yes. As always, guys, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. If you could please subscribe, like, and share. And if you think you knew what Deuteronomy meant, (laughs) comment it down below if you got it right. (laughs) That's right. Don't forget, utbnow.com is our website. You can learn about this ministry and others, but we're uh, on YouTube as well, YouTube Bible Mysteries. Uh, You can subscribe through any podcast app. And thank you for those of you that have been donating through PayPal at utbnow.com. We so appreciate your support. Write me at unlockthebiblenow at gmail.com. I'm way behind because of the holidays and the silly cold, but (laughs) I'm going to get caught up this weekend. Yes. So this will be, by the time you hear this, I will have been caught up (laughs) on all my emails. So please be patient with me and you'll hear soon. Zena, as always, <laughs> thank you for being here. Of course. You guys have a good rest of your week. And Charlie the Wonder Dog, thank you for being and, uh, here. If you guys can see him. If you can see him. <laughs> Until next week, take care. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, 
Please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.